I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and Noel is with us today. Guest producing. Yeah, which makes it a super special Stuff You Should Know. A more hirstute Stuff You Should Know. Yeah. That's right. Although Noel did get a haircut. I know. He looks like a buddy of mine from elementary school. Your elementary school friend had a full beard? No, without... (laughs) He took away the beard, it'd be like... Any number of my friends from elementary school. Yeah, there was always that one guy though that had the early, early facial hair. Oh yeah, my, you know, Jim Isa. Yeah, oh he, man, uh, I'll bet that you know, kid Middle was born Eastern. With he, a beard. he sort of had a little mustache in yeah. like the seventh grade. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a friend named Ron in uh, in elementary school. Man, he had like a deep voice and yeah. like the mustache <laughs> and everything. It, it may have been fourth or fifth grade. Now he sells stereos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, obviously we're talking boomerangs, Chuck. That's right. And um, if you associate boomerangs with Australia, there's actually a pretty good reason for that. It turns out that boomerangs, what you think of a boomerang, which is kind of like a crescent-shaped stick that you throw and it just comes back to you eventually and you catch it and look at your friends and say, pretty cool, huh? Yeah. They're like, how do you do that? That was, most people think, perfected in um, by Aborigines in Australia. That's right. Uh, if you want to go back even further, um, well, there's a couple of types of boomerangs. Yeah. Well, there's many types of boomerangs, but two main categories is uh, one that returns to you, mm-hmm. that you play with, and the one that you go out and try and kill animals with that does not return to you. Yeah. Um, I call those the sad boomerangs. Some people call them rabbit sticks. Rabbit? Oh, no. I know. <laughs> isn't that mean? But if you want to learn how to make one yourself, go to um, Survival Skills. The website, the hunting boomerang. It's actually it's pretty cool. This guy does he makes he st- he shows you step by step how to make a uh, boomerang. Natural skills. I'm sorry. Natural skills. He just goes out in the woods and finds like a kind of roughly boomerang shaped stick. Yeah. And then hews it into like a, a functioning 
non-returning boomerangs. Pretty awesome. Well, and that's what people theorize is how the boomerang came about. Um, back in Tuk Tuk's day, they would eventually learn to take a club and beat an animal on the head. And then <laughs> maybe one of Tuk Tuk's friends was smart enough to say, hey, maybe if I throw this at the animal from mm-hmm. a distance... I won't scare them away. Or that animal's faster than I can run, Well, always, but I can throw yeah. a stick faster than that animal can run. Yeah. Let me hit it in the head with the stick. That's right. And so over time, just like with any early tool um, evolution, I guess, you would uh, find sticks that flew better and further and further. Yeah. And eventually they sort of took the shape of a boomerang because of its unique uh, flying properties. Yeah, they figured out that like a, a, a curved stick will you can aim it more easily and it'll fly longer. So they started selecting for those kind of sticks and then they started making those sticks themselves like somebody from the natural skills website would. Yeah. The two, the, the design of the two different um, branches made it more stable. Yeah. And we'll get into the mind bending physics behind a boomerang. Boomerangs, frankly, are magic sticks of physics. They are. They're almost they're almost it's almost impossible to understand them like uh, what's going on but we're going to do our best to explain it and it's with a a non-returning boomerang it's kind of straightforward it's the returning boomerang that they say the aboriginal australians were the first to invent that is really difficult to grasp the physics behind yeah and uh, the oldest non-returning boomerang uh they found in poland from about 20,000 years ago yeah that's surprising to me and what that, that was that far ago no, it was in Poland. Oh. Because <laughs> I, I think of like boomerangs exclusively associated with Oceania. Yeah. Uh, not, not Poland. Yeah, they were, they were found in Native American tribes too and yeah. stuff kind of all over the world. So Australian Aborigines use something called a Kylie, um, exclusively for hunting at first. Mm-hmm. And they think, and this is, I think, the neatest thing, because you certainly can't, you know, like find this out factually, but they think that Eventually, they stumbled upon one that kind of came back, yeah. and they thought it was fun. So they started throwing returning boomerangs. Yeah, because it's like just to get their kicks, just for kicks. Because a returning boomerang you can't use for hunting. Well, no, because if you if you throw a returning boomerang, it's going to hit an animal. <laughs> you, uh, well, if you hit the animal, yeah. it's not going to return back to you. That's that's not no. real. That's saying just cartoons, everybody. Yeah. So the, that's why there's two types. There's ones that you uh, brain an animal with. And there's another that you just throw around to impress your friends. That's right. And apparently, though, the Aboriginal Australians figured out how to use returning boomerangs to hunt. They would put some nets up in trees. Oh, yeah. They would throw the boomerang, the returning boomerang, and then whoever was best at making like an a eagle or hawk's call would make that call, and it'd scare all the birds because they'd see this thing flying, hear a hawk's call, and they'd fly into the nets, and the Aborigines would eat them. Oh, not a bad idea. So that's pretty much the history of boomerangs. Yeah, and they, um, you know, no one owns a patent on the boomerang. There are many kinds of boomerangs that people have patented, of course. But right. the original boomerang was just, hey, this was something we figured out on our own. It's like DNA. Yeah, yeah. It belongs to of. the ages. <laughs> okay. It belongs to the universe. So your returning boomerang is going to be a little lighter, obviously, because you're not trying to kill a rabbit. It's just for showing off. Yeah, and I've even, you know, they have the little... uh um, Nerf versions for kids. Mm-hmm. I had one of those when I was a kid, the little uh, three-pronged yeah. boomerang. Yeah. And those are kind of fun. But if you look at videos of the real deal, like large three-foot wooden boomerangs, it's pretty <laughs> impressive to see 
like, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to do. You're not just go out there in your first try and no. get it to fly back to you. No, there's actually like boomerang teams around the world. Yeah, U.S. boomerang team. Yeah. Unless you're a wonderkin, of course, or a natural. I'm sure you that's You do it happened. on your, on your first time? Yeah, I'm sure it's happened before. Yeah, maybe. This made me want to get a boomerang, by the way. Did it? Are you going to? I don't know. Maybe. Do you know how much they are? <laughs> stuff you should know boomerang team? What I'm hoping is a fan makes handcrafted boomerangs and sends oh, us Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. I'll bet we have at least one yeah. boomerang maker yeah. listener. So send us two. Yeah, nice. Thanks, Chuck. That way we can uh, go out and perform a little two-man boomerang. Oh, yeah. Thing. Maybe we can like cross <laughs> them and everything. Sure. That'd be cool. We'll get our so, act down. So, um, the again, the non-returning boomerangs are pretty straightforward. It's the returning boomerangs that are lighter, and they're they're made to be more aerodynamic. And the proper way to throw a returning boomerang is um, to hold it at a vertical angle, hold it up and down, right? Which is weird because if you ever see somebody throw a boomerang, when it comes back, it's horizontal. Yeah, it's it horizontally sort of, oriented. Yeah, it kind of just lands very softly, like a helicopter. Right. The thing is, is it goes from upright to horizontal in the midst of this path, and it comes back to you. And if if you stop and think about it, like th- that makes zero sense whatsoever. Yeah, it, it, a, a non-returning boomerang certainly doesn't do either of those things. Yeah. It, it's just the returning boomerang, and the whole reason behind this is because of the design of the returning boomerang. It's basically a two-pronged propeller that's not attached to anything that thanks to the force you give it and its rotation and a whole other bunch of stuff that we'll get into it leans to the clock it it falls to the left turns clockwise and comes back to you that's if you're a right-handed thrower yes with a right-handed boomerang if you're a left-handed person you have to have a left-handed boomerang it's a mirror image of the right-handed boomerang yeah if you try to throw uh, a right-handed boomerang with your left hand, it's not going to work out so well. I bet there's one person out there that's like, oh. <laughs> I had no idea. So we're going to muster up our courage and, and uh, get into the physics of the boomerang right after this. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings 
from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Chuck. Here we go. Physics. Here we go. All right. So I guess the first thing we should talk about is a little bit about just the physical design of the boomerang mm-hmm. itself. Uh, the wings are slightly tilted, so it creates what's called an airfoil, just like an airplane wing. If yeah. you look out your uh, plane window there and you're sitting on the wing, you're going to notice that the top of it is rounded and the bottom of it is flat. Mm-hmm. And that is going to give a plane lift and a boomerang lift. Right. The the air going over the top of the wing, because it's curved in like a teardrop shape, yeah. um, it picks up speed, right? Mm-hmm. So the air speed is increased, which means the air pressure is also increased. Well, beneath the wing, it's flat. The air is just going through like it's whatever, but the air pressure is higher. So you have lower air pressure at the top, higher pressure at the bottom. That means that you have lift. The- I believe that is Bernoulli's principle. Is it? I think so. Show off? No, not really. <laughs> so, so that's, that's the whole thing behind both airplane wings, like you said, and boomerang wings. Because again, if you, if you really kind of want to start to understand boomerangs, um, first of all, do more research than just listening to this podcast. Sure. <laughs> but secondly, you have to think of the boomerang as basically two airplane wings facing the opposite direction connected together. <laughs> okay? That's right. And that forms essentially a propeller. Yeah, and uh, a propeller is, um, well, it's it, it's basically, if you think about a boomerang, it has an axis just like a propeller does, but the axis isn't there. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. It's invisible. Yes. The propeller is connected to something because it has to lift the uh, helicopter propeller because it has to lift the helicopter. Right. Or if it's on the front of a plane, it's going to pull that plane forward and up, um, which is sort of a key we'll get to in a second. Yes. Um, but... It's the same principle, but a boomerang just has an invisible axis, let's say. Okay, so it does. And it's very important because at that axis, which you can just imagine is in the center of the boomerang where the two wings come together, Yeah, that's the uh, axis of rotation that the boomerang has. It's spin. Yeah, and this article does a good job of pointing out that you would think then if you just turned it completely horizontally like a Frisbee, it would act like a helicopter propeller and just go up. Yeah, straight up. Or if you turned it completely vertically. Which is would, how you're supposed to throw it. It would just go side to side. But it doesn't do either one of those things. No, and it doesn't. And the reason why is because if you turn on an air, uh, uh, airplane propeller or a helicopter propeller, a rotor, yeah. it's it starts from a stationary position and just starts spinning. Exactly. The, the boomerang doesn't start from a stationary position. It starts spinning along that central axis, and it's also thrown. Yeah, it's got that forward momentum already. Exactly. So it has now, because you threw this thing, you threw it, and it started spinning around its own axis, but you also gave it that forward momentum, which is linear momentum, which means that it's now spinning around two axes. That's right. Okay? This Is uh, is this gyroscopic procession? We're we're close. We're almost there. And we get there, Chuck, because of these two axes. So consider this. So the thing is just spinning around. You've just thrown it. It's upright. Yeah. A vertical. It's vertically oriented to the earth. Mm-hmm. And you throw it. <clears throat> and when you throw it, 
Say it has a spin around that imaginary axis in the middle of the boomerang. Yeah, or at that point. At like uh, 20 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Okay. Because we're in Australia, so we're getting these kilometers. Exactly. Yeah. Well, plus also I read a Japanese paper on this. Okay. <laughs> That's what they use. <laughs> and it makes sense. Um, and But you threw it, that, that, that energy, your arm transferred to it when you threw the Frisbee too, which gave it its linear momentum. Yeah. Say that's making it move through space at 100 kilometers per hour, okay? That's right. So as the thing's spinning, whatever blade is at the top of the of the spin yeah. is going in the direction that you threw it, right? Yeah. And you threw it at 100 miles an hour, and it's spinning at 20 kilometers an hour. That means that that top blade is spinning at 120 kilometers an hour. Yeah, you said miles, but yeah, we get it. Okay. You're, you're, you're mixing me. miles with kilometers. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just, just <laughs> barely hanging on here. Yeah. The bottom one though is going in the opposite direction. Uh huh. So you're, it's actually moving at, uh, 20 or 80 kilometers per hour. Yeah. So the top is 120. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the bottom one is working in the opposite direction. So it's going 80 kilometers per hour, but these things are attached to the same thing. Yeah. So this difference actually creates a difference in air pressure. To its vertical orientation. That's right. Which creates torque, which tilts it. Now we've entered gyroscopic precession. Yeah, and I think I, precession, I think I sort of said it like procession, but it's with an E. Yeah, it's like what gives Earth seasons. Yeah. That wobble. The spin is another part of, uh, a very important part, um, because when you throw it, and we'll get into exactly how to throw it here in a bit, right. but you want to give it a good wrist snap to give it as much spin as possible. Right. Uh, and the spin's going to be determined, the, basically the rate of spin by a few things. Uh, the length of the wings, um, you know, if they're these huge wings, it's, the spin isn't going to be as great. Uh, the angle that they're joined and the amount of force applied by you, right. uh, the thrower, and just like a gyroscope, which if we really wanted to torture ourselves, we should do one on gyroscopes. One Man, <laughs> that would be melt. My brain would melt. Yeah, I just my brain didn't process that stuff well. But um, like a gyroscope, it's going to have... More stability the faster it spins, so that's why you want that good wrist snap. Yeah, and the reason why it has more stability is because so that torque, that pressure that uh, that's being created by that difference in air pressure, yeah, um, that force is being pushed down is actually stabilized throughout the spin of the boomerang, right? Yeah, like if you're going super fast on a bicycle uh-huh. and you take your hands off the the handlebars. Mm-hmm. You're going to keep going straight. If you're going like super slow, you're going to start wobbling around. Right, exactly. Um, the thing is, is that pressure, that force of torque is constant. Yeah. So it eventually, because uh, I think precession is, if you're throwing with your right hand, precession always comes on in a counterclockwise motion. Okay. The torque f- turns, it turns the boomerang to the sides, which is why it eventually comes back around to you horizontally. Yeah. That's what lays it down. And it also brings it in an arc that forms a circular path that comes back to you. That's right. It's all gyroscopic precession. And it's because the boomerang, this little simple stick that's basically one crescent-shaped piece of wood, mm-hmm. turns into a gyroscope that it, that turns on three axes yeah. all at once. Yeah, all in one throw. And so it goes from straight, it goes from stationary, being straight up and down, to spinning and curving around in an arc back to you at 100 kilometers an hour. Crazy. All because you tossed it correctly. 
Yeah, and the the design. I mean, there are many many different designs of boomerangs. Um, like I said, they can have uh, two wings, three, four. It can look like a uh, crawl and and have blades attached to them because there is something called a battle boomerang. Yeah. Um, Man, that's that seems dangerous. Yeah, it seems totally dangerous. I'll bet you could find that at like a head shop somewhere next to like a dragon pewter statue <laughs> or something. They probably have a deal so you can buy them together for cheaper. Um, <laughs> some of them do. Uh, some of them have what's called turbulators, though, which are can be little bumps and pits on top, which can increase the lift even more. And uh, I read an interview with one boomerang builder, and he was like, you can't. You know, I'm sure like Nerf can with their, their, you know, soft ones, but like a true large three foot wooden boomerang. He said, you can't computerize these and build them. Like they kind of need to be handcrafted mm-hmm. and thrown and then tweaked and then thrown right. until you get it just right. And I saw, um, a, one of the U.S. boomerang team guys demonstrating on video and he just put like a rubber band on his to, I guess, adjust it somewhat. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause you know, like, uh, if you're, if you have a, ceiling fan or something like that you can add weights or something to sure. make it to stabilize it that kind of thing yeah or when you get a, a uh when you get your tires and start installed on your car you know they put those little on those lead weights do they to uh uh what's it called align it yeah to align it yeah they put it on that machine and if it's wobbling they'll add the little weights on the inner that. rim yeah i just thought they thought there was a wizard in back you're always in the waiting room drinking coffee and reading uh Browsing their popular mechanics, pewter dragon <laughs> statues. No, it's kind of cool, actually. Uh, well, I think it's kind of cool. It's really kind of nerdy to watch your tires get aligned. Yeah, they put it on the machine and spin it, and it's really kind of just like this. And they look at it, and if it's if it's wobbling at all, they know exactly where to tap on these little weights. Nice, because yeah, you don't want your tires to be a gyroscope. No, not at all. You don't. That makes for unsafe driving. Uh, so I guess we should, after this message break, teach you how to throw a boomerang. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, you've got your boomerang. You're out in the field mm-hmm. or on the beach. Beach is going to be tough because wind is one of the forces that are going to act on that boomerang. <laughs> there are five forces. I'm so nervous, The man. force of gravity, uh, the force caused by that propeller motion, uh, the force of your throw, uh, force caused by uneven speed of the wings, and then the wind. And the guy that I watched throw on on YouTube um, said that he liked to throw on with a slight breeze in his face. Mm-hmm. And he said that that um, it, it depends on the angle at which you're going to release it, though, right. depending on how the wind. And there's a lot of trial and error involved. And it's yeah, apparently you you want wind. I couldn't figure out what the deal is with this, but um, it somehow helps the boomerang move. But you have what's called an angle of attack, and that's basically how you orient yourself to the wind. Yeah. So the wind's blowing in your face. You should turn and face. Uh, you don't want your shoulder now being hit by the wind because that's 90 degrees. He turned a little bit to the right. So probably about like 45 degrees, and that's what you throw to. So it's, you're throwing at an angle to the direction the wind is coming at you from. Yeah, but this guy kind of worked it out. Like he threw the, um, you know, he kind of measured the wind, uh, you know, did the old finger test. Did he? Yeah. And he said, I'm going to angle myself a little bit to the right, and I'm going to throw it. And he said, and it should land just in front of me. It went behind him, and he was like, well, I was wrong. Uh-huh. So I didn't have a good wind measurement, so let me angle a little bit more. And sure enough, the thing came right back to him. Nice. So it all depends on what angle of uh, against the wind that you throw that thing. Like Bob Seger says. <laughs> oh, man. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> really? Bob Seger? Yeah. I, uh, I don't have anything against him, honestly. Yeah. yeah. That old-time just... rock and roll song, I just I turned that as soon oh, as that's I his first piano keys. Yeah, I hate that song too. Yeah. But overall, I think Bob Seger is okay. He seems fine. He's a he's a working man. Yeah, yeah. Turn the page, baby. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't like that song either. I guess it's like against the wind, <laughs> like a rock. Oh, I hate that song. Hollywood Nights. That's a terrible song too. You hate Bob Seger. No, but I I don't mind <laughs> against the wind. Surely there's other Bob Seger songs out there. Bob, get in touch with us and introduce me to your catalog. That would be great if he was a listener. Actually, yeah, he's would- just. Got a single tear going <laughs> on his cheek. Uh, all right, so where were we? We are. You, all right, you're going to hold the boomerang with the V, uh, with the elbow pointing toward you and the V pointing out away from you. And again, up and down. It's vertically oriented. Yeah, vertically oriented, but at a slight tilt. Like you don't want it completely yeah. straight up and down. But you're not throwing it like horizontally, like no. you would a frisbee. No, no, you're not going to get very far that way. No, actually, it does go up and then comes back down in a loop. It basically does. Oh, it'll do something. Yeah. but Interesting. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is it's kind of dangerous, so you don't sure. want to mess around with it. Yeah. I mean, we should point that out. These things are, you know, heavy and made of wood, and they come, you know, you're throwing it hard. Well, yeah. I mean, let's cut to the chase. Apparently, when you throw a Frisbee or a, a boomerang, yeah. uh, which are virtually interchangeable in my mind, but they're really not. <laughs> not at all. Um, you want to keep your eye on it at all times. Yeah. And if you ever lose sight of it, you don't look around for it. You need to go take cover, cover your head, <laughs> yeah. and shout heads up. 
and get everybody else to cover their heads too because that thing can come back and clock somebody. Yeah, and that's if you haven't thrown it right. Like when I've seen the correct boomerang toss, it it lands like a helicopter, mm-hmm. um, you know, straight up and down. So not sorry. completely straight up and down. What what's the next step? All right, so you've got that V point pointing away from you, uh, and or you want pointing the, at you. No, no, no. The two, the the you want the point facing toward you and the right. V facing away from you. Okay, gotcha. And you want it's super important. This part is you want that flat side. Remember, we talked about the airfoil. Mm-hmm. You want the flat side facing out. So to your right, if you're a right-handed thrower. Gotcha. If you don't do that right, then you're you're not going to have a good result. Yeah. You would only probably tilt it to the left of the wind if you're left-handed, I would guess. I don't know about that. Okay. I don't endorse that state. Okay. <laughs> um, so you're going to hold it at the bottom of the wing, um, like a, they say a pinch grip. The guy in the video called his a little pistol grip, like with two fingers and a thumb. Okay. And um, you want to snap your wrist when you throw it. And he didn't throw it super hard. Yeah. Like you don't have to really wing it. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't sound like Steffi Graf when he threw it or anything. <laughs> Monica Sellis, you mean? I she, thought Steffi Graf did that too. Was it Monica Sellis? Well, there's well a lot of that? grunters, but Monica Sellis was okay. the <clears throat> every time she hit it. That's who I meant then. But she got stabbed. Look what happened to her. Oh gosh, I thought that was Steffi Graf too. <laughs> no. Did you know Steffi Graf and Andre Agassi are married? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that cute? It's adorable. Okay. You would be funny as if their kids. We're terrible at tennis. <laughs> <laughs> they just trip over their rackets yeah. or whatever. Um, Bob Seeger's their coach. That's right. He's their badminton coach. Uh, all right. So you, you're snapping your wrist. You're throwing it basically like a baseball at a little slight angle, and you're going to snap that wrist to give it the good spin. Um, you throw it vertically, and hopefully it's going to go out and up and curve around mm-hmm. and then land back down fairly softly somewhere close to where you are. Right. And you don't want to try and catch it with your hand like in a cartoon. Well, you can, but you want to clap your hands together on it. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, don't try and catch it like a Frisbee. No, but I think if you are a boomerang throwing person, you are trying to catch each one. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you're, when, you don't with one do hand. it one-handed. It's You clap it together. You, you trap it in between your two hands. Yeah, and if you're catching a Frisbee like that, then God help you. Yeah, you're going to get laughed at. Yeah. But it's safe, too. <laughs> It's just you don't really have to be worried about a Frisbee. It's super safe. Uh, I don't think I have anything else. Is that it? Uh, Well, just one other thing. Um, When I said that it's spinning around three axes, if you were impressed with that, prepare to have your mind blown even more. It's spinning around three axes to lay down flat Mm -hmm. from the torque. Yeah. It's also spinning around an additional three axes to follow that arc in a giant circle and come back to you. Whoa. So technically, a boomerang, when you throw it, is spinning on six different axes. From the point of release to the point of landing? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that neat? It's pretty neat. Yeah, it's neat. And like this is one of those things where people were throwing these things long before we knew anything about yeah. how they actually worked. People figured them out. And then science came along afterward and said, oh, well, this is how it works. But this stuff is so complex, it really kind of exposes that moment in science where you're like, I kind of have to have faith in this. Sure. Because I understand it so thinly. That I just have to have faith that this is correct, and it's almost virtually the same thing as saying, "Well, the um, there's a the the great wizard is yeah. the one who's moving it around in an invisible <laughs> circle back to you because yeah. he wants you to prosper and not have to make a, a boomerang every time." Virtually the same thing at this point, in my understanding. Yeah, 
They're a great teaching tool as well. Um, I imagine if you're trying to teach physics and gyroscopic precession, then the problem is everybody, almost everybody I saw, except for uh, the Japanese paper, I think it was titled "What Makes a Boomerang Come Back." Yeah, um, were just terrible at explaining it. They understood everything, but yeah. they could not explain it in anything approaching layman's terms. You know, I read a Popular Science article. Um, I think it was called The Science of Boomerangs. It was pretty good. Wish you would have sent that to me. Oh, yeah? Because I've been agonizing over this for many, 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 many hours. I just figured you had your Japanese sources and were good. It, it was in English, too. Well, of course it was. Uh, <laughs> because you don't read no, Japanese. I don't read Japanese so good. Uh, if you want to know more about boomerangs, you can look up stuff all over the web, but why not start at our website, HowStuffWorks.com. Just type that word in the search bar. And it'll bring it up. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm just going to call this I Split Atoms for a Living. Nice. So you know we're on the wrong track already. Yeah, we're going to be corrected. Uh, yeah, but he's very nice about it. I Split Atoms for a Living at a nuclear power plant, so I was really excited that you did a podcast on a uh, nuclear science topic. Um, you guys really did a great job, actually, of breaking down a topic and making it accessible to a wide audience, something I personally feel that organizations involved with nu- uh, nuclear technology tend to struggle with a little bit. Um, anyway, I'm writing in uh, with a correction. You stated that nuclear fission reactions involve the electromagnetic force, while nuclear fusion reactions involve the strong nuclear force. I remember saying that. Both of these reactions actually get their energy from the same strong nuclear force. In both cases, if you were to measure the mass of the material before the reaction, compare that to the material after the reaction, you would find that there is less because some of the strong nuclear force holding the atoms together was released as energy. Uh, the difference in the energy release pretty much comes down to how much of this mass was converted, divided by the mass of the atoms involved. Hey. See, the thing is, is like that makes total and complete sense if you think about it. Sure. Th- that makes it irritating that we got it wrong. Uh, since atoms um, good for fusion are much lighter than atoms good for fission, their reactions are a bit stronger. Reactions which involve the release of stored electromagnetic energy are actually all of the reactions that involve electrons, which includes chemical reactions. Since this is a much weaker force, that's why there is such a huge energy difference between burning coal and nuclear energy, as you pointed out in the podcast. is millions of times more potent. So thanks again, guys. Looking forward to the next one. And that is Jeffrey Hauselman. From, he's a reactor engineer in Zachary, Louisiana. Thank you very much. What's his name again? Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Appreciate that. Uh, we love hearing from experts in the field. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you are an expert in your field and you want to correct us about something or whatever, we want to hear from you. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast and join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And you can join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at visible.com. 
For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.